We are in this time of Advent where we count down the four Sundays before Christmas and each week we have a theme with our traditional theme of faith, hope, love, joy. This week's theme is love. And we've just sung those words, those famous and so well known to everybody and perhaps the most well known Bible verse there is. Let's read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John's gospel doesn't have a Christmas story. It doesn't have a nativity scene. We only find those stories in Luke and Matthew. But John does say what Christmas can be found. What John, Let me say that again. What John does say about Christmas can be found in one verse, in John chapter 1 where John starts out with an enormous view of the universe and then zooms in and zooms in and zooms in till he comes to our little corner. We've read it already this morning with the children from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In case we don't know what this word is, in chapter verse 14, in verse 14, John makes it very clear. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh, and we have seen his glory. John starts with this cosmic context, echoing the words from Genesis chapter 1. The Bible begins with the words, in the beginning, and John reflects that again at the beginning of his gospel. In the beginning, he says, in the beginning was the word. This code word for Jesus. In the Greek, it's the word logos. And logos can be translated in lots of ways. The thought, the expression, the manifestation. Some people call him the face of God. When God appears, he looks like Jesus. He talks and acts like Jesus. To the degree that anyone anywhere has seen or caught a glimpse or a true intuition about God, then they have seen Jesus. To the degree that anyone has light, they have seen Jesus, because Jesus is the light of all mankind. John makes it clear that this word, this logos, was there from the beginning. Always there, uncreated. Jesus is the eternal God. God with God. And God as God. And it's from this verse and from others like it that the church extrapolated the doctrine of the Trinity. The word Trinity appears nowhere in the scriptures, but from reading the Bible and taking it seriously, we come to this idea that this must be the case. So we believe that God is three persons. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Which can be very confusing. That's what the Bible is telling us about the nature of God, that God has always been in loving communion from eternity past. And so John can tell us in other parts that God is love. The word became flesh. God, quite literally, the Greek says, he took on meat. He became like us. 
The fancy word is incarnation, which comes from the Latin. It just means he became flesh, he became meat, he became like us. The creator of the universe became human. The one who put it all together became one of us. And he came and he made his dwelling among us. In the older translations it says he came and tabernacled amongst us. But we don't use the word tabernacle that much anymore. Tabernacle quite literally means he came and pitched his tent. He came and put up his tent and he lived with us. Modern translations say he came and moved into the neighborhood. And so the creator moves into his own creation. The all-powerful God becomes a vulnerable little baby. The immortal takes on mortality. He zooms down and becomes like us to show us what God is really like. The word reveals God as the kind of God who zooms down, who is humbly willing to go to whatever extreme is necessary to show us his amazing love. John's Christmas story reveals a humble God of unsurpassable love, who's willing to go to unsurpassable extremes to redeem us, his people. But more than this, this word, this Jesus, comes to show love not just to the whole world, but to particular individuals. He ministers to individuals, not just the human race in general, but for particular people. As we read the rest of the Gospels, we see Jesus interacting with individuals. Each person he heals, each person he deals with, he looks them in the eye, he speaks to them individually. He doesn't just wave his hand over a town and everybody's healed. No, he deals with each person's need one on one. As he uses his authority in the kingdom of God to minister and serve and help individuals. And so this morning I want to suggest to you that God's love is particular. There are different kinds of love described in the Bible. The deepest kind is the word agape love. Agape love is the love that seeks the benefit of the other without benefit to the self. We all use the word love in different ways. I love my dog. I love my children. I love my wife. I love my country. I love my job. I love playing board games. The same word love covers a multitude of different ideas from my dog to my board games and everything in between. Or perhaps the dog should be in between. And Anyway. When we're talking about agape love, it is always particular. It is always individual. I love my wife not because she's part of the human race. I mean, I love humans, but that's not the reason I love my wife. And I don't love my wife because she's female. I mean, I like females, but I love her not just because she's a female. I don't love her just because she's a particular kind of a female. I love her because of who she is as an individual, her peculiarities, her oddities, her personality, her quirks, the things that make her different from every other person is why I love her. My love for my wife is particular and individual. In just a few weeks, we'll be celebrating our 19th wedding anniversary, which means that we'll have spent more time as a family together than we have spent with our parents as part of our parents' family. So from now on, it's all our fault. 
We can't blame mum and dad anymore. My love for Talia is just that, a love for Talia, a love for her as an individual. It's a -a one-of-a-kind love for a -a one-of-a-kind lady, tailor-made to her. And God, being a God of perfect love, does the same thing. He loves us in particular ways, not in general ways. He loves you. Yes, you, even the boys looking at their phones. He loves you. He loves you as an individual, not just because you're part of the human race. That doesn't mean that he loves everything about you because you will have some things in your life that are damaging. That's what sin is. But he loves you as an individual, not just because you're part of the human race. And when there are things in our lives that are quite wrong or we need to fix, well, then we're reminded of the words of Jesus. He tells us to repent and to believe. He tells us to give away those sins. God loves us even so, despite our sin. But he tells us to repent, to turn away from those things so we can be the best version of ourselves. The promise of Scripture is that each and every one of us can have a unique and particular relationship with God through Jesus. Community is important. Gathering as a group is important. Worshipping together is important. We have much in common. But in balance of that community, we also need to remember that we're individuals. And as individuals, we can experience the particular love of God. You see, God's love is infinite. That means it goes on forever. It is unlimited. And you know, you can't divide infinity into chunks. I've got the number infinity, which is an eight on its side for some reason, and I divide it by two, what's the answer? Infinity. And if I divide it by 100, it still get infinity. Infinity and unlimited can't be divided. No matter how many people are walking on the planet at once, God's love is infinite. No matter if it's divided by eight or nine or ten billion or whatever it happens to be at the time. God's love does not need to be watered down like church cordial. Not here. We have good cordial here. Chris, if you're watching at home, Chris is our kitchen lady. She's got COVID at the moment. And and Hans up the back there, you make good cordial. We appreciate you, Hans. We appreciate you, Chris. But some churches you go to and the cordial is just water with a bit of yellow in it. Yes? You may as well just be drinking water. And that's how the church divides up the cordial to make sure the kids don't go hypo or to make sure it goes further. God's love is not like that. No matter how many cups of cordial he hands out, it's all the same strength, of infinite strength. When God loves, he loves each individual with all of his love because his unlimited love cannot be divided up and cannot be spread thin. Christmas is not just about God so loved the world. It's also about God so loved you and God so loves me. You are not the recipient of part of God's love. No, you get all of it. Same with the attention. You may think God is too busy paying attention to the big things happening in the world to notice what's going on with me. If you think that, then your God is too small. Our God is infinite. He's got a massive brain. He knows everything and he goes on forever. 
He has just as much time to worry about baby Kaiser as he does to have worry about what's happening in Ukraine. He has all of eternity and he has an infinite amount of attention to pay to each and every one of us. All of his love, all of his beauty, all of his compassion, all of his attention is directed towards you as an individual. He doesn't have to divide it up. You are right now the object of God's unsurpassable, perfect, unimprovable love. And you will never be more loved than you are in this very moment. You might be thinking, but I'm a sinner. I've done things wrong. Just last night I did this or did that. It doesn't change the reality. God has infinite love for you. God became a human being and he died for all of humankind. But he also became a human being and died just for you. The events of Christmas and Easter would have happened even if you were the only person who'd ever lived, the only person who'd ever sinned. You are of infinite value. And there is a God of infinite love who loves you and me. Are there any questions this morning? For those who are visiting with us, I'd like to pause and see if there are any questions before I conclude, in case I've said something interesting or upsetting or confusing. Any questions this morning? I don't see any. My email address is there. My phone number's there. Um, and it's Christmas holidays, but I've got all the time in the world to talk to people about Jesus. If you'd like to have a conversation with me over this week or the weeks after Christmas, I'm available to speak to you. There's a great old song. It says, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still in the roses. And the voice I hear pulling me here, the Son of God discloses. And the chorus says, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. The joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. This is an interesting song because it's all about me and my personal relationship with God. Sometimes we sing songs directed at God. We sing, you are so wonderful. Sometimes we sing songs about us as the church saying, we will do this or we will do that. But sometimes we sing songs about me as an individual. And this is a song where the author is reflecting on his own personal experience the writer was saying that he was studying the scriptures, reading the Bible, the story of Mary Magdalene coming and meeting Jesus in the garden after the resurrection, and suddenly he found himself as if he were part of the scene. He was the one walking with Jesus. He was the one talking with Jesus. And as he came out of that experience, he immediately wrote down this song. and It's been a favorite ever since. Because this is the privilege we have as the children of God children of God. We can, each of us, have a personal, individual, wonderful relationship with God. And that love, that relationship, that love relationship with God will be unique to each individual. The way I interact with God will be different to how you interact with God. Because I'm strange. And so are you. And God knows it. Our souls are hungry for that uniqueness, to know that I am the one that God loves, to know that I am God's favourite, 
to know that I am the disciple that Jesus loves. And so are you. God loves us not just as part of the crowd or the human race or as part of the church, but God loves you as an individual. He thinks you're great. You could do better. But he thinks you're great. God loves you as an individual because of who you are. With all your quirks, your foibles, your passions, your interests, God loves you with an infinite, unsurpassable, perfect, unimprovable love. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you this morning that, yes, you do love the whole world. You love the whole world so much that you sent your son Jesus into the world. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And Father God, I want to thank you that through your Holy Spirit, you communicate that love to each of us as individuals. Father God, I pray this morning that you would give each of us a passion, a heart, a desire to know you in that personal way. Not just to have a religion, not just to have an intellectual faith, not just to have a cultural or a traditional faith, but Father God, that you would come and speak to our hearts, each one, and draw us closer to you. We pray this in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.